2: Time for Bet the Edge here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel with Matt Bernier. Betting analyst with NBC Sports Edge, I'm Sarah Perlman. Here on the show and all over the world, we are getting ready for Boxing Day, a huge match day in Premier League. And Brad Thomas is here with games he circled this week and where he sees value on the board. We're also going to have points bet head trader Jay Croucher come on and explain how difficult it's been setting lines in the NFL with the recent COVID issues around the league. And of course, stick around till the very end of the episode to hear our edge of the day and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by Points Matt, super excited to have you with us in the show today. You came on yesterday, and all you did was give out a winner Tampa Bay Lightning, plus 100, that came home, beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It was actually a great day for us on the show. Thor went two and two when he came on with his bowl game plays, Wyoming, San Diego State as favorites. Those came home with these last night. Drew then hit Suns minus six and a half, and he went three and three on his NBA plays as well. But kudos to you coming on the show. Now, of course, sitting in for Drew Dinsick, easy for you to do as you handicap pretty much every sport across the country. So let's dive in a little bit. I'm putting you under pressure. Gave a winner yesterday. Now, as you look towards today and for the weekend, what's kind of caught your eye as we get ready for this holiday weekend?
3: Well, now that we've put the Tuesday night football behind us, hopefully we don't have to deal with that anytime soon ever again, but uh, looking forward to this weekend, you've got some major matchups with playoff implications. And I think the one I'm most interested in is the bills and Patriots game. But from a gambling standpoint, that doesn't really do much for me. I I got a question for you. What had the Atlanta Falcons done to suggest that they should be five and a half point favorites over the Detroit lions. I I I go through and look at those two teams, Atlanta, I get it. Maybe they've got a little bit more flash and flair. They've got some bigger names overall. And Detroit has just sort of been the whipping boy, of the NFL for the past what 30 years, however well, long not it's been, against,
2: but, not against the spread. They might not well, win, think, but they've certainly been profitable covering
3: the other thing too, about Detroit. I, I think they're kind of one of those teams. I, I know it sounds silly to say they've only won two games all year. I think they're better than that record would suggest. You go through and take a look. They've got four losses. By three points or less, we know about that ridiculous game against Baltimore where Tucker hit from a million yards out and it bounced off Mm -hmm. the crossbar and went in. I just The way they've also been playing recently leads me to believe that they're actually, of the bad teams, they may be the best bad team. And when I say bad, I'm thinking kind of bottom five to six teams in the league. So we're not talking about a marquee matchup. From a gambling standpoint, what has Atlanta done to suggest that they deserve this sort of credit? At least in my eyes, I just don't see it. Their six wins have come against the Giants. The Jets, Miami, when they were floundering at the beginning of the year. The Saints, which week in and week out, your guess is as good as mine. What version of that team we're going to get? Jacksonville, I don't need to say anything else. And the Panthers, when they were quarterbacked by the tandem of Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. I mean, I just don't, I don't know why this line is what it is. I have Atlanta winning by two. I have a, a final of 20 to 18. So when I look at this game, I'm at least mildly intrigued by the plus 200 money line that I saw last night on the Lions on the road. But I have to take the five and a half points that are available right now.
2: I think the only reason more people haven't got involved in this game is just with Jared Goff. He should be able to come off the COVID list, um, and that would probably be the main reason. I'm with you. This got up to six I was equally shocked. You know, we talked about Detroit. I like Dan Campbell, the way his team's playing for him. Yes, as you said, they don't have many wins. It got to the point, I don't know what week it was in the season. A lot of people probably agreed unless they bet the other side. I was rooting for the Detroit Lions to get their first win until that happened. So, Matt, I'm with you. I'm just looking now at the numbers sitting at five and a half. So, money earlier today actually coming in on the side, it seems you like with the Lions getting five and a half points. I mentioned profitable against the spread. Detroit Lions, Nine and five against their number. They've actually covered five out of their last six games. This is too many points. I think you're seeing people like Atlanta because they've obviously been a better team. But six points better, five and a half points better. I'm not too sure about that, Matt.
3: One name that people maybe they are not quite familiar with just yet, but he's certainly blossomed over the past few weeks. Amon-Ra St. Brown, 35 targets, nearly 250 yards and two touchdowns. In the last three weeks, he's a young, talented player, kind of came into the league a little bit under the radar. And again, going into that situation in Detroit, you know, there was always going to be a cap on what his expectations were for this first season. But I think he's a name that maybe you want to familiarize yourself with a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you see a lot of these players trying to prove themselves for a job next season down the stretch. Might be out of the playoffs, obviously, but uh, players are still trying. Dan Campbell has this team still playing at a high level. I'll take her the highest level they can be at with this roster. Understood. Um, I'll take the five and a half or six points with the Lions with you as well. Give the gift of NBC Sports Edge Plus this holiday season. Get 15% off annual subscriptions when you use the code HOLIDAY15 at checkout this offer turns to Cole on December 31st. So visit NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus today. And remember all our premium tools for fantasy, DFS, and betting. They're all included in that low Edge Plus subscription. A guy that I know is ready for the holidays because I saw him backstage. This guy's ready for the holidays. Brad <laughs> Thomas, we welcome him to get ready for Boxing Day. Best outfit on the show, hands down. Best (laughs) outfit we have probably since Halloween when Drew was a hot dog, but I won't tell Drew that until he comes back on tomorrow. Um, Brad, let's talk about the Premier League a little bit. The first game that caught my eye, and I know everyone's excited for Boxing Day, right? Let's try to keep COVID under control so this day across the world can be appreciated. We're talking about Sunday, but Liverpool is playing a game against Leicester City, so that might play a role in your handicap. Curious to hear this, though. Liverpool playing Leeds on Sunday, Boxing Day. You look at the money line. Liverpool's minus 834. The draw plus 750 leads, if you want a shot, 15-1, to right? I'm not laying that money with Liverpool. I feel confident in this team like most people do. A huge mismatch here. But there has to be other ways to get involved in this big day, in this game, than laying the 834.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. So if if COVID weren't a thing, you know, we would have been looking at Liverpool minus 1.5, maybe minus 2. In the early look ahead lines, and I would have been like, we're taking minus three plus 250 or something, but it's not available. You know, I'm not taking minus three at plus 165, although I do think they win by three. It's not enough value there. So, where I saw value was in the first half total over one and a half and Liverpool's first half team total. Um, a lot of this has to do with injuries on both sides. So, first we'll start with Liverpool. You know, their defense is decimated. I don't actually think Liverpool are going to concede in the first half. But if they do, it gives us a little bit of extra backing for that over one and a half total. But it's really Leeds who we're attacking. Since Calvin Phillips has gone down, over one and a half has hit in three straight games, and they've been absolutely decimated. That 3-2 loss to Chelsea was nothing but a fluke. Like, that's a Chelsea team who's in transition. So they gave up three goals to Chelsea, over one and a half, first half hit. And then against Man City, they were absolutely decimated, 7-0. If you watch that game, it looked as if you know they kind of just gave up and they and they were overmatched um, and then Arsenal Arsenal was a game that I was really excited about because books set the line somewhere like minus one and a half I took uh minus two and a half for plus 26280 Arsenal who I wouldn't say have the best attack in the world destroyed them and what happens is when you have a guy like Calvin Phillips out the anchor of your midfield you're very disjointed and a team like Leeds who play very open, and that back-and-forth style, if they don't have a guy who's possessing the ball in the midfield, it's kind of kind of worrisome. Kind of like what happened when they played Chelsea. Chelsea was having some injuries in their midfield, and that's why uh, Leeds were able to score two goals. So I'm going to back over one-and-a-half goals in the first half and one-and-a-half team total for Liverpool. Don't look at the numbers. Like, whatever you do, don't look at Liverpool. They're only hitting this number in, like, 50% of their games. Don't look at Leeds. They're only hitting this number at, like, 33% of the games. It's all about availability. That's really what we're going to fade. There's a lot of the injuries on defense um, for both teams. If you want to get fancy and take Liverpool team total over two or over two and a half first half, I wouldn't be surprised to see an absolute decimation of Leeds.
3: Yeah, Leeds have been struggling mightily, yeah, like you say. I really thought they were going to bounce back, show a little bit of courage or heart last <laughs> week against Arsenal, and we get the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a team that's showing plenty of heart and courage. Yes. Tottenham, Spurs, they get ready to host palace on Sunday Conte when he came in it feels like he's just reignited this team the Spurs team that for the first let's say for a few weeks of the season anyway they just couldn't seem to get out of first yeah. year Harry Kane seems like he has finally kind of got back into form a little bit scored last weekend Patrick Vieira's side they they've kind of been up and down all season they've yeah. had stretches of really solid play and others where they just don't look like they actually belong uh, how are you reading this game
4: Yeah, so a lot of people who are familiar with Tottenham, they're just going to think about years past when they were really a holding team. And even if you look at their last match, they were a little bit more of a holding team because they had a lot of players who were still battling side effects from COVID. But ultimately, when I look at this game, I'm taking both teams to score. Um, You know, it doesn't have a very high hit rate between the two, 33% for Tottenham and 53% for Crystal Palace. But you alluded to this earlier. Tottenham are a much different team than they were at the beginning of the season. And when you get a coach like Conte, you know he's okay to open it up because he wants you to pressure, he wants you to attack. Well, if you look at Tottenham, they're conceding 1.27 goals per match, and they have, they have a very high expected goal mark at 1.54 while at home. Now, Crystal Palace, on the other hand, the three matches ago and the match before that, they were shut out. I don't think that's going to happen against a Tottenham side because Patrick Vieira is getting his side ready to rock and roll. They're looking a lot better. Well, defensively, especially on the road, they're very bad. You know, their expected goal mark is 1.88. I like both teams to score here. And another bet that I really like, because we've seen this happen often with Crystal Palace this season, is they get countered with a speed guy, is to take songs anytime score prop at plus 130. When you have a guy who has that kind of speed and you're getting plus money for it, against a team who gets countered frequently... It's well worth it. This game's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting. It's not gonna be the traditional uh, Crystal Palace Tottenham matchup that everyone's used to, where it ends like zero zero. No, it's. I expect that Tottenham gets at least two on the board, and we, we're definitely gonna see Crystal Palace uh, hit the score sheet.
2: Looking right now at this particular bet, points bet, obviously sends us some notes where bets coming in. 71% of the handle coming in on what you like both teams to score on Sunday. Um, I'm happy we've been able to kind of throw out some games and get ready for Sunday. I jokingly told Matt before we got on the show, don't let Matt get hot. And this guy's been hot in the NHL. You know who you don't want to get hot? Man City, offensively. They have been... Ridiculous 28 goals over their last 10 matches. Obviously, you mentioned what they were able to do last time out 7 0 to Leeds, and they played Newcastle 4 0 there. Playing Leicester City, who's playing today, Man City, meanwhile, no game today. They might yes. be a little more well rested. How are we attacking this game Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern?
4: So, with Leicester City having this uh, cup tie, it's kind of unfortunate for them. You know, much like a lot of teams, are dealing with COVID, they're dealing with injury. Then they have a Manchester City who's Probably the deepest team in the epl i'm taking manchester city to score in both halves if you want to look at statistics sure fine let's just look at quality you have a much better team in manchester city and you've seen pep over this past weekend discipline his guys okay so pep go ahead and he benches two of his best players what does he do he fills them in with players who could start on any epl team Man City are an absolute machine right now, regardless if Foden's in, if Grealish is in, if Sterling's in, or or, uh, Gabriel Jesus is in. It it doesn't matter. They have the highest expected goal mark in soccer, and they're finally healthy. They scored 25 goals in nine matches at home this year. That's 2.78 goals per match. And if you want to talk about their halftime splits, in the first half, they're scoring uh, 1.2 goals per match and 1.67 in the second half against a Leicester city who at one point had the worst road XGA in all of the EPL, they've conceded 15 away goals. You know, they've, they have 31% clean sheets in the first half, 44 clean sheets in the second half. The only way I see Manchester city, not scoring in the second half is if it's just like an absolute shelling in the first half. Like if man city just goes out there and they put up four, I could really see uh, like young guys going out there, like Palmer, who are going to get some run some of those U23 players that they have to bring up to kind of give those stars uh, the fresh the little fresh legs for later in the season.
3: It helps when you've got the roster, but if there was any doubt that Pep Guardiola is the best manager, in oh the my gosh, league, I think yes. when you take a look at the way this team plays stylistically into your point, Brad, the interchangeable pieces without a true striker, I think it <laughs> just goes to really emphasize how unbelievable Pep has been for this team and really for all the clubs that he's been at over the past 10, 15 years.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. he's been so fun to watch and to follow and, of course, bet on his team. They're minus 5.56, which says a lot playing Leicester City 13-1 to <laughs> on Sunday. I love this look. I'm totally going to tell you on all these plays at Man City to score in both halves, minus 145. You could follow Brad at Mr. Brad Thomas. He has a lot of his Premier League handicaps available right now on NBCSportsEdge.com. Brad, thanks for coming on with all your amazing insight and, of course, the best outfit on the show. <laughs> If we don't Thank talk to you, you soon, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and best of luck with all your bets.
4: You guys will take care.
2: We're headed down the backstretch of the NFL season, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play, so predict what's going to happen between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor.
0: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Speaking of the NFL, not only is it been hard to handicap, I can't imagine what it's like setting lines. And who better to break that down for us than head trader at Points PointsBet, Jay Croucher. Jay, as always, appreciate you coming on and for the time. You know, I look at the lines. Every single day, and obviously they're moving and sometimes they're taken down because the COVID issues across the National Football League happening right now. And I'm being sincere when I say it's hard to handicap when you're trying to figure out exactly who's playing quarterback and who's available, who's the play caller for the game. But from your guys' standpoints, how difficult and what has the process been like setting these lines each week over the past couple of weeks in the NFL?
1: Yeah, it's extremely difficult. We've kind of gotten used to it just now that we've had a year and longer of practice at it, but it is very unscientific guesswork where, you know, the game that's most affected this coming week is Pittsburgh-Kansas City at the moment with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill both in protocols. We're kind of taking the calculated guess that probably one of them gets out um, in time for the game at least. Um, That's why the line, though, has moved from 10 down to 8, uh, but Cleveland are the team that's been most affected by this, obviously, with all their absences against the Raiders. And then coming into this week now, not only do they lose that game against the Raiders, but now they have a basically a five-day break before going to Lambeau to take on Aaron Rodgers, uh, which isn't ideal. So they're the team that has suffered the most. I think if they had their time over again, they probably would have just rather played the game on Sunday and lose it and get a full week before going to Lambeau.
3: Jay, I'm a Patriots fan. I live in New England. I take a look at this Bills Pats game, the line Patriots minus two and a half, the totals 43 and a half. And on the heels of what I think was a really disappointing performance, all things considered, against the Colts in Indianapolis on Saturday night, especially because Belichick's team's typically off the bye, they're usually very prepared. And that wasn't what this team was for the first three quarters. How did this line end up being what it is, Pats minus two and a half? Yeah, so this
1: line suggests that
3: we think the Pats
1: are a slightly better team than the Bills when you factor in that home field advantage is worth about two points. I think the Pats as disappointing as that loss was. I think there were a lot of good things to take out of the game in Indy where I think the big question about Mac Jones was whether he could bring a team back when the other team knows that he's going to be throwing all the time. And they were down 20 to nothing and Mac, he did bring them all the way back. And if Jonathan Taylor doesn't break that epic run at the end... Uh, then the Patriots might get the ball back with a chance to to send it to overtime or to win. The Bills certainly have some momentum. I think this kind of feels like a game that the bills win right just with how they finish that game against tampa with that fourth quarter and then destroying carolina pats coming off a loss but you know this patriots defense is real uh, the offense is very solid uh, and the bills they haven't performed in big games this season uh, so this is why we're at two and a half at the moment we think the pats are slightly better
2: What is the market movement and kind of the the typical bettors? Because I know, right, there are certain sharper bettors that, let's say, love New England and some that might come in and back Buffalo or the Colts or you name a team they're always on. In terms of this particular game and early action you guys have taken, where has the larger bets and smarter money come in on?
1: So most of the smarter money is on New England. All of the public money is on Buffalo. 85% of our handle on this game of the spread is on the Bills. But the Pats, a lot of the advanced numbers really love the Patriots. And I think that, you know, the public perception of the Pats probably doesn't treat them as an upper tier, absolute, you know, top three, four team in the league because some of their most impressive wins have come in blowouts over, you know, middling teams, like destroying Cleveland. But the advanced numbers suggest that, you know, the Pats are a legitimate, you know, contender to win the AFC. And I think that, you know, the public in a big game like this is always going to side with the better quarterback. And as impressive as Mac Jones has been, Josh Allen is the better quarterback in this game, but the Pats have the better supporting cast. Uh, So it'll be a matter of whether the Pats supporting cast can can
3: bridge that quarterback gap. You brought up that really the backbreaker for the Patriots in that Saturday night game against the Colts was Jonathan Taylor's 65-plus yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. He is now the clear-cut favorite for offensive player of the year, but on the heels of last night's performance from Cooper Cup, he's nipping at his heels. Talk us through this market a little bit. Yeah, so
1: this is the closest awards race, I think, in the NFL at the moment. I wouldn't have said that before last (laughs) night. I thought that was Taylor's award to win before Cup uh, went in fuego. But I think that we still have Taylor favorite, and here are the reasons why. One, statistically, he's still, I think, 234 yards and five touchdowns ahead of Cup. So that is significant. And then the other factor, which I think is really key, is that Matthew Stafford is a lot better than Carson Wentz. And Cup who has been, you know, incredibly valuable. He's putting out one of the great wide receiver seasons of all time, but that is tied to having an excellent quarterback in Stafford. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz was 5 of 12 for 57 yards against the Patriots and was in those 12 passes. It felt like half of them he was trying to throw (laughs) to Patriots defensive backs. So Taylor, I think, carries the Colts more than Cup carries the Rams. And I think that that will play into voters' minds at the end of the season. But certainly this is no longer... Taylor's award to lose. The cup is right there, but we still make Taylor a slight favorite.
2: So, for the Offensive Player of the Year awards, if you're not looking at the screen and, of course, listening to the podcast version, Jonathan Taylor at points bet minus 140, Cooper Cup plus 150. Then we're looking at Justin Jefferson 35 to 1. But now I head to the MVP market, and this is how the markets really are shaping up. To put that in perspective, Jonathan Taylor plus 500 to win the MVP, but the two favorites, Aaron Rodgers plus 110. Tom Brady plus 210. Before Tom Brady's game against the Saints last week, he was the favorite. Obviously, tables have turned just a little bit here. And as I look at Aaron Rodgers and uh, who they're playing in the next few weeks, he gets a home game against the Browns and the Vikings. Then he plays against the Lions. Brady is going to see Carolina twice and play one game against the New York Jets. So certainly you can make a case for both of those quarterbacks. In your opinion, who has the clear advantage in this awards market for the MVP race, Jay?
1: Yeah, so I think Aaron Rodgers is the guy now. I think that for Brady, he's not done, but it's so hard to come back from being shut out in Sunday Night Football in a game when you're eleven point favorites. Now he also loses Godwin, he loses Fournette, and also his schedule the rest of the way is very easy, which I think almost works against him because it's going to be hard for him to have another real moment, you know, against teams like Carolina and the Jets. And so I think that Rodgers, you know, this award typically rewards efficiency. And Rodgers is the king of efficiency. That touchdown to interception ratio He's the greatest ever. This year, again, I think it's 30 touchdowns, four interceptions. And I think as well that people just now think that Aaron Rodgers is the best player in football. I think that he's taken that mantle from Patrick Mahomes with how Mahomes has struggled and been inconsistent this year. I think that if anyone had a game with their life on the line, I think everyone's taking Aaron Rodgers. He is just the best quarterback. Now he has the stats to back it up. But still... Don't know how people are going to interpret the the COVID stuff with Rodgers, whether that turns some people off. And then also, he's having a worse year than last year when he won the award. And so how much does that weigh in with voter fatigue? And does that open the door up for someone like Jonathan Taylor or even Cooper Cup to come in and take MVP?
3: Jay, let's shift our attention from the NFL to the NBA. We know Christmas Day in the association is the biggest day of the year, really, as far as the regular season is concerned. A couple of giant matchups, Warriors at Suns, Nets at Lakers. Uh, Give us a little bit of info on these games, especially factoring in, as is the case with all the other professional leagues, the COVID situation.
1: Yeah, well, I think we might even be uh, overstating the uh, blockbuster nature of Nets-Lakers at this point, where it'd be great (laughs) if we could flex the Lakers out of Christmas. I'm not sure they deserve it at the moment. That team is a mess. And really, the situation of that game is a mess with, you know, all all the stuff that's happening in Brooklyn. So I think the marquee matchup is definitely Warriors-Suns. Uh, they are two of the, certainly two of the three best teams in the West with Utah. These are the two teams that have the best record. And then, you know, with how the West at the top looks, these are probably two of the three best teams in all of basketball at the moment. Obviously, the first time they played, Fiends got the better of them, extended that. Huge win streak uh, to start the season. And then the second game, Booker was out. So not as much to read into that one. But I think that's definitely the marquee matchup. Lions will be back up shortly just with all the COVID uncertainty at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully we get full teams for both of these matchups. Uh, But certainly I'll be more focused on on Warriors' sons. I think the Lakers, until they get Davis back and until they start playing like a, a legitimate, not just championship contender, but playoff team, I don't think they warrant too much attention
2: no you and i both warrior sons is definitely going to be the better game of those two hey jay real quick here just out of curiosity the lakers take a lot of money regardless who's playing right they're the lakers some people probably don't even look at the roster and who's playing and they blindly bet the lakers and there's a tax on them but they're playing the nets who also take a lot of money a far better team as you're mentioning lakers probably shouldn't even be on christmas day i'm curious will or do you expect to take money on los angeles given the circumstances
1: No, I suspect that our weight of handle will be on Brooklyn and we'll be cheering for Los Angeles, which isn't a great spot to be in, but but so be it. I guess there's worse people to go to war with than LeBron James. But no, I think the the betting public now is, there's been, what, 32 games as the Mm -hmm. Lakers just not being good. Uh, And now I think that people are still a little bit wary of the fact that the Lakers do have it in them to make a charge at some point later in the season when Davis gets back. But for now, the team is such a rabble beyond LeBron the team is not inspiring they can't they don't really have any avenues to get good defensive lineups on the floor now that Davis is out so I suspect that the people will be
3: lining up on Brooklyn if they have a full complement of players you can understand why when they were putting this team together in the offseason people were looking at it going these pieces just don't fit why like Mm -hmm. what are we trying to do here And, and not including any potential injuries especially for older players but it just feels like this is what you've got here with the Lakers and frankly it's not very good
2: yeah, it's been a nice fade. I know for Drew and I have tailed you in a lot of those plays. He's made some money fading the Los Angeles Lakers this season, and we'll break down those games tomorrow on this show. You can follow Jay on Twitter, at Crouch or JD Every single week, he comes on, gives us a nice peek behind the counter on what's going on at PointsBet Sportsbook. Also tomorrow at 3 p.m. on our YouTube channel and on Peacock, airing up until kickoff on Sunday. He will join myself, Drew Dinsick, and Warren Sharp on Blitzing the Board, breaking down Week 16 lines. Jay, thank you very much.
1: Thanks Thanks, guys. Happy holidays.
2: Happy holidays. Download the NBC sports predictor app powered by points bet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week we're highlighting matchups between the Cavaliers and Celtics Raptors and bulls and nuggets and thunder. So if you don't have the predictor app yet, download it now. Now, maybe not an NBA play for edge of the day, but you, my friend, you handicap a lot of sports and college basketball being one of them. I've been trying to get more involved in becoming a a more, uh, you know, sharper minded better with college basketball, but it's tough. The lines move quick and you have to get in early. So I know you're very, uh, you're very good at this market. I'm curious to kind of hear where you're going for tonight for your edge of the day here, Matt.
3: Yeah, my first edge of the day, first time through. And it's not going to be a hockey play because we don't have any hockey games to play. You've um,
2: given edges of the day, they just come in the beginning of the show. Your plays are yeah. better than my edge of the day, so it's okay.
3: They're on Tuesdays as opposed to Wednesdays. College basketball for me is much more a numbers game. I'm not someone, I'm not a handicapper who sits there and goes through and says such and such player is projected to be a top 10 pick or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just caring about what the nuts and bolts of the teams and their metrics say. So I take a look at a game this afternoon, played out in Hawaii, oddly enough. Wyoming for Stanford. They've got a little eight-team tournament going on out there. Wyoming's catching a point and a half. My numbers, all things considered, have Wyoming winning outright, 73 to 68. The Mountain West may not be the same quality as the Pac-12, but there are still some quality teams in there. And overall, I think Wyoming is kind of an interesting case because... They're a pretty solid defensive team in the grand scheme of things, but they can also heat up a little bit. Uh, They're in the top 30 in the nation in field goal percentage. They've only shot below 43.5% one time all year. That was their only loss, and that only loss came against Arizona. And by many different metrics and rating systems, depending on what you want to look at, Arizona is either probably at best a top five team or at worst a top 10 team. So one of the better teams overall in the entire country. I think Wyoming is kind of a sneaky team where they don't turn the ball over combined with that nice shooting percentage, the ability to play solid defense. And look, free throw shooting in general is an important piece to basketball, but especially with these kids in college. And it seems like these days, it's just an impossible task for somebody to get out there and shoot above 65 or 70%. Neither of these two teams are particularly strong shooting from the free throw line. Wyoming is 218th in the country. Stanford is 319th. That could end up being a key piece to this entire piece. But I think overall, top to bottom, Wyoming, I think, is the better team. And I think you're getting a little bit of a bargain there, catching a point and a half.
2: Yeah, a lot of the money coming in on Wyoming, the side, of course, you like 88% of the spread handle on the Cowboys. They've been really good in this spot as a short underdog, 6 2 and 1 against the number, um, regardless this season. Also been extremely profitable on the money line. You're looking at them plus one and a half. I will tail you on this. I've seen a lot of betters coming on this game for coming up later, I think, 5 p.m. Eastern today. I'm going to give a play out uh, for my edge of the day. That's tomorrow, Thursday Night Football, because I'm a little bit afraid, Matt, that this number is going to creep up. So I'm getting involved now. Took a look at the Thursday Night Football matchup, of course, between the San Francisco 49ers and Tennessee Titans. George Kittle, he's a prop that I got to get on. 69 and a half receiving yards right now, you could find um, over at Points, but opening soon. If not, search your books. I know they're recently coming up this morning because the game is tomorrow. Our tools, our edge projection that you could, of course, use the code. And find yourself some advantageous spots. Our edge projection has 85.6 receiving yards for George Kittle, but nonetheless, there's more reasons. I think we're getting a low number here because the Titans defense have not allowed a lot ton of success to tight ends this season, but they really haven't had anyone except Travis Kelsey who did find success as good as George Kittle against them. But this is a really different case. The 49ers, they've won four of their last five games. Look what George Kittle's done as of late. He's averaging 6.6 receptions, close to 95 yards per game, even better. Over the last three games, he has been outstanding. His volume has gone up. He's seen an average of 11 targets. He's averaging over 140 receiving yards over those last three games. He's a focal point of this offense. We know this if you watch the 49ers. It also helps the Titans' defense. They have been really good against the run. Over their last three games, they've allowed just 40 combined rushing yards to running backs. is going to find and have to find success. Uh, in the air in order to win this game. And we know his favorite target right now is George Kittle. I will gladly take the over 69 and a half receiving yards for George Kittle tomorrow night before this gets fed up. He's the difference maker. Jimmy G is going to find him. So I take the over for Kittle, who's been outstanding to watch in fantasy in the player prop market as of late, Matt.
3: Yeah, and these two teams really—they're trending in opposite directions. San Francisco, like you say, they've won five out of six. And you look at Tennessee, despite the fact that they've—you know—they won two weeks ago against Jacksonville. Everybody beats Jacksonville. They've lost three out of their last four, and they've been against some quality teams. So uh, I, I think the loss of Derrick Henry, the stating the obvious when he was taken out a couple weeks back, this team has really slowly just kind of slid downhill. Meanwhile, San Francisco—they're the hottest team in the NFC. I think anybody that runs into them right now should be terrified.
2: Yeah, they're hard to fade right now. And Jimmy G, I feel like he gets a lot of flack. I don't know why. He's very, very good in having an outstanding year. So I love this prop. I think Jimmy G has a big day as well as George Kittle. Now, before we close out the show, our edges of the day are locked in. You won't be on the show tomorrow, so I got to hear what's your plan, what's your holiday situation shaping out to be for this weekend.
3: Yeah, my in-laws live right here in town with us, so this mm. is going to be a nice little uh, opportunity for us to stay local. I went and saw my parents last weekend in Western Massachusetts, so uh, that was good to get everybody involved. And now my nieces and nephew are coming up for a few days, and uh, it's going to be the last quiet Christmas for my wife and I, because we're going to have a baby in May. So this is this is kind of our-, our
2: Didn't pre- even know that. Okay, congratulations. Yeah, I haven't told yes, many people. Oh, well, now you just told our whole whole audience. Right. So anyone who knows Matt, congratulations, having a baby. So final Christmas before you're going to be parents. This What's the, the drink last... of choice going to be? An egg yeah,
3: Exactly. For me, it's going to be anything and everything. But uh, wife, the wife, she'll she ha-
2: can have some water.
3: I was going to say, we'll make a mocktail <laughs> for her. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a nice little run of, it's going to be nice when the kids are here. But we're going to also have our little quiet time, knowing that this is the last quiet time we'll have for, what, the next uh, 20 years or so?
2: Uh, probably never. Probably your last quiet time. Right. <laughs> never. I'm at my parents' house right now. I'm almost 30. I'm still bothering them, so I'm sure it won't end. Um, Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Everyone else, thanks for watching us here. I'll be back tomorrow with Drew Dinsick, our final day breaking down the NBA and NFL slate. Join us then. In the meantime, subscribe and rate the podcast. And always, good luck with all of your wagers. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Bet the Edge, powered by Bet.